Thank you for joining me, everyone. Left Right Radio with Chuck Morse, Monday through Friday, 12 noon. My guest is Trevor Loudon. Trevor is coming to us from New Zealand. He is the host of Trevor Loudon Presents New Zeal, Shining the Torch for Liberty. Uh, Trevor, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Look, it's a pleasure, Chuck. Uh, thanks for having me on. Trevor, you've done some amazing research. Before we get started, I'd like you to talk a little bit about um, your projects right now, what you're working on. Well, right now I'm working on three projects, um, or, or more than three, but the, the main ones are I'm researching and scripting a documentary movie, which we hope to release in the next year, called Enemies Within the Church, which will be a, an expose of the Marxist influence in the Catholic Church, the mainstream uh, Protestant churches, and also, most disturbingly, in the, uh, the evangelical churches who are relatively pure up till now. Um, I'm also writing a book uh, called The Rainbow Conspiracy, which is uh, detailing the left's plan to win the 2020 election by reinventing Jesse Jackson's old Rainbow, Conspira uh, Rainbow Coalition of the 1980s. Mm -hmm. Spending huge amounts of money right now, signing up millions of black, Latino, Asian-American, Muslim-American voters who don't normally vote, especially in the southern states, to basically swamp the Republican Party's base um, and, and really effectively take over the country. And this is being orchestrated by some former student Maoists out of Stanford University mm -hmm. and, uh, who, have, who have moved into the top reaches of the Democratic Party. And the other project I'm working on is I'm doing a series of mini documentaries, two minute long little uh, videos, vignettes of various socialist, Marxist, Muslim Brotherhood associated congressmen and senators. And I plan to release about 20 or 30 of those between now and the election. Wonderful. And uh, the only side point that I would make regarding their move to win the 2020 election is that um, yeah, you know, the, the liberal left establishment, the, the, the sort of the Me Too Republicans, the, uh, the, the, the uh, what we call the rhinos, not to mention the international uh, order, they threw everything they could at destroying and defeating Donald Trump. And they had all the money. Trump basically was self-financed. He didn't, uh, he had small donors. And yet he won. So, you know, I think that it's really a, a, an issue of education and waking people up. And I think that that same phenomena hopefully is going to hold in the midterm and in the next election. But with what is at stake, which is what you're describing, which is essentially a turning over of the United States to a socialist type government, maybe European style socialism. I don't know. No, European style would be Venezuelan style. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Can't yeah. even get a, a roll of friggin' toilet European, paper. If it was, was going to be Norway, I wouldn't be so worried, but it ain't. It's going to yeah. be Venezuela, then Cuba. You know, and, I told my socialist friend the other day, I mean, I said, you know, you're talking about Venezuela, I said, you you wouldn't last two minutes in, social, in, in Venezuela without your bourgeois American, you know, capitalist uh, exploited money. You know, you can't even get a friggin' roll of toilet paper in that country. Well, it will be right. And, and you know, I, I think we're, we're at the cusp in America. You know, the, if Hillary Clinton had won the election, we'd be socialists now. Because the first thing she was going to do, she promised to do this, was to legalize 
every illegal immigrant in the country and give them voting rights within 100 days of taking office. That yes, would, he did, and that's on the record. Yep, you're absolutely right. Given the Democrats anywhere between eight and probably 30 million new voters. And if you consider that Donald Trump won the election by a couple of hundred thousand votes and that Mitt Romney lost his election by two and a half million votes, you imagine what giving the Democrats, even at the minimum, eight million new voters would do. The whole country would become California and Massachusetts real quick. They're doing it now. I mean, there's even here in Boston where I am, the mayor just came out. There was comments about uh, helping illegal aliens vote, um, not in federal elections. They want to start small. They say, well, we'll just start by letting them vote for school board. There's also this move to uh, to make automatic registration when someone gets a license or when someone gets uh, an ID. And everyone knows that a good percentage of people getting those IDs are illegal aliens. So that's obviously a situation of, of voter fraud. And of course, if you bring this up and you say, we want to have a reasonable system which protects the sanctity of one man, one vote, and make sure that the citizen's vote is counted, you're accused of having something against black men and women. You're accused of being racist, which is itself racist, because after all, what are they saying? A black person can't get ID? You yeah. Know, you know, this kind of... this this uh, kind of patronizing racism. Well, every, everything, everything the left does, they accuse us of it. And the left are so upset, so upset at the possibility that Russia may have interfered in American elections, yet they are willing to let 12 million foreigners vote in, our, vote in the elections. Well, how hypocritical is that? You know, the, look, if 80% of the illegal immigrants in America voted Republican instead of Democrat, you imagine how quick Obama would have had the biggest wall on the border you have ever seen. It is all about a, a permanent Democratic majority in this country. And the Democrats are now socialists and Marxists. This is not the party of Harry Truman or JFK any longer. I think we've got rid of those illusions now. This is a hard left Marxist Democratic Party that will use any trick in the book to gain power. And once they have power, they will use the powers of the state to suppress all of their opposition, the churches, the conservative politicians, the GOP, the Tea Party, whoever stands in their way to having a complete monopoly on power forever and a day. They want to control. I mean, look, at the whole definition of socialism is control. It's public ownership of the means of production public ownership of the means of communication. You can look it up in the dictionary. Yeah. And uh, that's exactly what they what they trust. They want, by control, they want the government, they only trust the government to control everything in the name of, quote, the people. And that uh, they don't trust the citizen. They don't trust private companies. They, they view private citizens as being involved in some kind of a conspiracy to rip someone off. Whereas the government itself, public power, authoritarian power, legalized power is what they trust. And that's exactly what, what Trump is trying to undo. And this is why they despise Trump and fear Trump. They're afraid he's going to wake people up. And he is waking people up. Look, he, he you know, they, they were on board. They were on their way to a complete monopoly on power. They were, they, on election night, 
they were they were we were one we were a few thousand votes away from an american dictatorship and thank god for the electoral college and thank god for millions of people who still love the country enough and thank god for president trump we pulled off a miracle reprieve but it's only a reprieve it's our last chance if we don't win the if we're president trump if we don't win the midterm elections, the president gets impeached and the whole agenda stops. We Absolutely have right. The, we the, the, the general. We, have, we, we won the first game in the World Series. We won game one. We mm. got a game two and game three and game four, and we have to win every single one in a row because one bad election means general amnesty for all illegal immigrants then after that, we can't win another election. Absolutely right. I mean, it's a miracle that Trump won, given what he was up against. If he hadn't been up against the kind of dirty tricks and the, the sort of, I would almost say, um, you know, psychological uh, warfare or even, uh, you know, uh, tampering with people's um, minds, he would have won much bigger than he did. But the fact is, he was able to do it. It's a miracle. Um, and and that yeah, I mean they're going to do everything. I mean, I'm hearing on MSNBC now every day, they're just openly out to try to impeach him. They're talking about if we impeach him this way versus we impeach him that way, and if he does this, they'll impeach. Everything is about impeachment. And um, I mean, there's one guy on that show who actually calls the show "Welcome to the Impeachment." You know, this is a, <laughs> it's actually a fairly open. It's an open conspiracy to overthrow the government, and uh, it's pretty troubling. Well, and I think people, you know, like a lot of people in Massachusetts grew up in the Democratic Party, and I'm not giving the Republican Party a pass here either, by the way, because there's a lot of bad Republicans, Paul right. Ryan, Mitch McConnell, and these people. But the fact is, you know, if you grew up in the Democratic Party, do you think Harry Truman would have been okay with transgender bathrooms? You know, do you think do you think JFK would have been okay with 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 million illegal immigrants living in the country? You know, of course they wouldn't have because they were interested in protecting American workers and America's jobs and American livelihoods. So the Democratic Party has been captured, particularly since the late 1980s, by the extreme hard left. These are the 60s radicals the anti-Vietnam War protesters, the people who used to go to Nicaragua and Cuba to cut sugar cane for the Castros, these are the people now running the Democratic Party and the American labor movement and the American media, and they want their revolution before they die. And this is their last shot. If President Trump is successful, he can string three or four consecutive elections together and the taxes keep coming down and the regulations keep coming off business and that wall gets built and the American military gets rebuilt, this country that nobody will want to vote Democrat again for 50 years. They'll be done because there'll be so much prosperity, so much increased general welfare that the whole country will reorientate and the black, a large chunk of the black population will stop voting automatically for the Democrats a large chunk of the Jewish population will do so likewise, and a large chunk of the white union voters, you know, out in Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania, mm. 
Rust Belt, when the industry comes back to their areas, they will abandon the Democratic Party as well. And the Democrats understand this. That's why they have to stop Trump at all costs and they have to flood the country with millions of illegal voters because that is their remaining base. That's what's going to see them through. So we have a choice. We can just hope President Trump muddles through and wins the next couple of elections, or we can double down and get behind him and support him and make sure he wins the elections, because if we blow one election, we are back to square one even worse. We've blown our chance, and that will be maybe our very last chance to save the country. No, I mean, make no, no doubt about it. I mean, if Hillary Clinton had been elected, we wouldn't be talking about um, improve, you know, putting America first and, and doing what President Trump, by the way, just did, was getting, which was getting the European Union to drop their tariffs, which is an extraordinary accomplishment. Instead, all we'd be talking about is how to integrate the girls' bathrooms and showers. And um, where we were going to hide and where we could try and get some uh, food from and, uh, yeah. and and how to protect our savings and uh, how we could, you know, where are we going to build a bunker? You know, really, that's really, what it comes down to. Serious. It's like, it's almost like it's like Ayn Rand. We'll all be moving to Atlantis. Um, uh, yeah, but there is, there, is, there is no Atlantis. Look, people always would say to me, like, if things turn bad in America, can I come and live in New Zealand? Because that's where I'm from. Yes. Say, Look, okay, come down to New Zealand, you'll love it as long as you want to learn Chinese. Because if America goes down, they will have us in a heartbeat. They will have Australia. They have already got most of Latin America and most of Africa. Russia will take Europe. If America goes down, there is nowhere to run. None. None. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they could take Australia and New Zealand by just making a phone call. Oh, if absolutely. The, if yeah. the United States is gone. No, that's right. I mean, the United States is really the last bastion of of freedom. We need to, I mean, again, I mean, it's very difficult in this atmosphere, but we need to educate people about the importance and the significance of this election and of the Trump presidency, whether you like Trump personally or not, is not relevant. The fact is that he represents something. It's a, it's a bigger issue than just this one extraordinary man. Now, as we're moving toward the, um, the midterm elections, which is really only coming up in about three months, I'm already seeing things get really ratcheted up. It's getting really ugly out there. People are being, you know, you know, they're being driven out of restaurants. And I mean, I think that I just saw that uh, De- uh, Betsy DeVos's yacht was just uh, vandalized and 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 almost destroyed. You've got um, President Trump's uh, Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. Traditionally, American Congress senators would meet with the nominee from both parties. Not a single Democrat is willing to meet him. They're digging up dirt. They're trying to go through every little thing that even his wife now, who um, worked in the Bush administration, they're trying to dig up something on her. I mean, it's so ugly and the atmosphere is so poisoned that uh, the rhetoric is just you know, you have Senator Cory Booker stand up and refer to Kavanaugh as evil, evil. You know, this is like, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's beyond any kind of reasonable discourse. And I think that it's it's getting so bad that if President Trump's numbers continue to go up, which they are, and if it looks like there's not going to be their big blue wave, 
there's going to be violence in, in, in this country. They already have been violence. They already shot a sitting congressman while he was playing baseball. Look, I, I believe so. I, I'm, I'll be very surprised if we don't get some form of violence or bombing or shooting before the election. And I'm hoping not, but, uh, but that's the mood of the country right now. And just funny you should mention Cory Booker because um, this rainbow conspiracy I'm talking about, the, this group of Maoists who have infiltrated the top levels of the Democratic Party, they have chosen the candidates for 2020. And one of them is Cory Booker and the other one is Kamala Harris, a senator from, New, from California. They are going to run them at the top of the ticket and they hope to do that by doing that, they'll mobilize millions of black, Latino, Asian voters around the country. They say they've already got a majority. They say that according to the mastermind of this guy called Steve Phillips, who's a big Democrat billionaire donor out of California, he married into the very wealthy Sandler family, a former student Maoist from Stanford. He says that they already have a majority in the country because 28% of the electorate are progressive whites. They will vote Democrat if you put Adolf Hitler on the ticket. You know, they're locked in 28%. 23% of the electorate are progressives of color, black, Latino, Asian American, Muslim American, Native American, etc. 23 plus 28 is 51%. That's the majority. They just have to get them voting, which is why they're putting millions of dollars into poor, black, Latino, low-income, Native American communities around the country, particularly in the South, to get those voters out. And they are backing um, Ben Jealous for the governorship of, of Maryland. They're backing Andrew Gillum for the governorship of Georgia. Andy uh, David Garcia for the governorship of Arizona, Stacey Abrams for the governorship of Georgia, and um, there's one other too. But um, so they are working, working, working the minority communities because that is their only hope of defeating President Trump. So we have to be mindful of that and we have to get our base out. We have to motivate and mobilize our base because our base is bigger than their base and our base is more enthusiastic. The big danger is that a whole bunch of the Trump voters from 2016 will say, well, President Trump's got it in hand. He's got the numbers. Everything's going all right. I'm going to go fishing on Election Day. You know, You're right. I mean, that, that's, that could happen. And, very bad. And, by the way, to just uh, – further confirm what you're saying, Kamala Harris just put forth a bill in Congress to give guaranteed mortgages for low-income people. In other words, they're going, to give, they're going to subsidize the mortgages uh, to the tune of, I don't know how many tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars, which is basically a giveaway to landlords who will raise the rent and take the money from the federal government. Absolutely. And that gives them, it gives them two constituencies, landlords and um and people on low, lower income who want to have a better place to live. The idea that they might consider moving to a, a lower cost place, that's not going to happen. That's discriminatory. They can get their place, and you and I, the taxpayer, who are struggling to pay our own rents, are going to have to subsidize them. And that's exactly what you're talking about, Trevor, with this transfer of monies into these neighborhoods and nationally and into these constituencies to buy their votes. 
The Democrats have completely given up on the middle voter, the swing voter. They are not going to spend any more money chasing those swing voters in the middle because there are hardly any left. They're going full on for the progressive base. As Stacey Abrams says in Georgia, why waste money trying to turn atheists into Catholics? Get the Baptists to church. Get your people, you know, like like Arizona, for instance, they the one they won the their last governorship race there, the Republicans won by a hundred thousand votes. But there were six hundred thousand Latino voters in the state who didn't vote. So they are going to Arizona now, signing up those six hundred thousand Latinos right now to get them voting. They're doing the same in Georgia. All these southern states have got massive numbers of black, Latino, Asian-American voters who don't vote. And that is far more fertile ground for them, you know, to get the Baptists to go to church. They're natural Democrats. They're going to vote Democrat, but they just don't usually bother to vote. So they don't have to convert them, their political views. They just have to hold them by the hand and drag them to the voting polls, mm-hmm. to the places. And that is their strategy. And they're going to run Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, a black guy and a black Asian woman, at the top of the ticket to energize the progressive uh, minority vote. And they are putting a big money into it now. They're working through the Democracy Alliance, which is George Soros, Tom Steyer, Steve Phillips. They're putting billions of dollars into this effort. So we have to understand that we have to get our base out. We've got to get the Trump voters, the Trump supporters off their backsides. They've got to bring their whole family down to the polling place and they've got to give the president a resounding mandate in 2018. Because if he holds the House, increases his majority in the Senate, he's going to be able to get so much more done. He's going to get funding for the wall. And that is going to set him up beautifully for 2020 and 2022. And by that time, the Democrats will be so damn decimated, we won't really have to worry about them much anymore. Right. And of course, you know, somehow if we have any opportunity, and I guess this is political activism on the part of individuals, and maybe in my own small way, I'm trying to do this with this show and anyone can do it. We have to challenge them on their ideas. Like they say they're against the wall. Why? What is their policy on protecting the borders? Is it necessary? Do they believe that, um, what is their position on citizenship? You know, in other words, you have to go in there and and try to just, I guess you might use it to an old left-wing slogan, speak truth to power, you know? Yeah. By the way, the- uh, Challenge them. Why do you want the police abolished? Why I, do you want ICE abolished? Do you believe this between- is there a difference between a legal citizen and an illegal alien? Is there a difference? Is there a difference between a guest in your house who comes through the front door with a bottle of wine or a, a burglar who comes through your back door with a crowbar? Is there a difference? You know, you got to challenge. Well, well, what, they, what they're going to say, and I've had this talk, is, well, th- that the reason that I'm opposed to these things is because I'm latently or unconsciously racist. I don't like people of color. So that's why I don't want to have illegal aliens because they are people of color. Not that they are. I don't know. I have no idea what their race is. 
But the point is that this is, you know, the, you know it, it creates a moral argument for them that somehow I'm not comfortable with people of color coming into this country. Well, this is the old, uh, the white privilege, the uh, all this, and this is a Maoist concept that came out of the Maoist movement in the 60s through the 70s and has now been so promoted in popular culture that people believe they're unconsciously racist. Well, it's an easy argument to puncture. And, and you look at, look at the Muslim thing that people say, I don't want Muslims coming, you know, you don't want Muslims coming to the country, therefore you hate Muslims, right? Mm. Well, no, I don't want Muslims coming in because they believe in a totalitarian political system called Sharia, which right. dictates everything in your life and is an exact opposite to the U.S. Constitution. And Not to mention jihad. No, jihad and terrorism. Am I opposed to um, Hindus coming? Am I going to protest against Hindus coming here or Buddhists coming here or Sikhs? No, because they don't believe in conquest by the sword. Islam does. It's pol It's political. So exactly. you know, it has nothing to do with being against a Muslim man or woman. It has to do with an ideology. It would be like saying that if I didn't, if I oppose Nazis, it's because I don't like Germans. It, it, or if I oppose right. Soviet communism, it's because I don't like the Russians. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's nothing to do with someone's ethnic background. It has to do with the embodiment of an ideology that is, is what radical Islam is. And yeah. as far as regular normative Islam, yeah, they, they probably, they have been westernized to an extent, hopefully, they may be even I know this may not sound politically correct, but they've been Christianized to a certain extent. But why do we really want to take the risk when there is such a high percentage of Muslims who do embrace the radical Islamic agenda, which is very similar to the communist agenda, by the way, and which is why the communists make common cause with them. Sharia law is super nanny state. It's control of all aspects of the citizen's life by the state. And jihad is revolution. Bloody revolution, the conquest of the entire planet to be put under a scimitar, one world order under the scimitar. Those ideas are not in not only against my my Americanism, but they threaten me. You know, well, they do. My see, see, when I came to, to America, I had to swear a declaration that I had never been involved in any communist or fascist group that sought to overthrow the United States Constitution. And that's not racist. No. So, so if I can't come here if I'm a communist or a Nazi, why should I be allowed to come here if I believe in Sharia law, which is dictated from Allah and which commands you to spread it in wherever you go, dictates everything political about your life, moral, physical, business, how you, how you go to the bathroom. If I can't come here because I'm a communist or a Nazi, why should I be allowed to come here if I believe in Sharia law, which is in direct opposition to the United States Constitution? I could be a Buddhist and say, I believe in the Constitution. I could be a Hindu and say, I believe in the Constitution. I cannot be a practicing Sharia compliant Muslim and swear allegiance to the Constitution. I cannot do that because my Sharia law, my faith dictates that I impose my political views on where on the citizens of wherever I go. 
you are the same as a communist or a fascist from that point of view. And uh, and also, I, my understanding is that um, Sharia law permits, in a very similar to communism, it permits lying. It, it permits uh, deception and, and subversion, what they call civilizational jihad, where you can go ahead and support the Constitution because it's convenient at that moment. It's situational. And then you can later on, you know, oppose it um, once once you're in a position where you have the strength to do it. It works very similar to the communist idea, which is that not only is it okay to lie if it means advancing the cause of communism and of world order, but it's actually virtuous to it's lie. An, an obligation. No, and and that the, the accomplished communist, the dialectician, they are able to speak two or three different contradictory ideas in the same sentence without blinking an eye. You yeah, can barely yeah. even tell they've done it. You have to think about it. It takes a day to realize, oh, okay. You know, it, it's, a, it's a very practiced skill at, at lying and at deception. And that's also embodied in Islam. That's yeah, probably yeah. why they find an unholy alliance. Well, they are. They joined it. They worked together. The communists have infiltrated Islam for a very long time. Um, you know, the KGB set up Hamas. The KGB set up their... Palestine Liberation Organization. Most of the leading Muslim activists in New Zealand, uh, in America, sorry, were socialists or Marxists before they before they became Muslims. You know, um, yeah. or they had a Marxist communist background. So, so you know, that is the thing. You know, like, do you if you believe in the United States Constitution, you are prepared to uphold the values of the Constitution and adapt to America's way of life. I don't think there's any prejudice against almost anybody who comes here who's willing to do that. What there is resistance to is people who come here legally or illegally, who spit on the Constitution, who have no, no thought of integrating or adopting American values. They just want to come here and impose their values on Americans. Well, Americans quite rightly resent that. Anybody would. It's basic manners. If you go into someone's house, you don't tell them how to set their silverware and how to season their food and how to cook. You go into someone's house, you adopt their customs and their values while you're there. That's just common decency. And that's got to apply on the, on the mass level as well. Um, so, you know, you make the choice. Is America going to be for Americans who, who uphold American values in the Constitution? Or is America going to be the, the dumping ground for, for the whole world of people who just want to come here and sponge off the system and basically destroy the country? What, what's your choice? I think it's a very easy choice to make. As do I. And I would also note that one of the most fundamental building blocks or basics of any sovereign nation is the right to decide who enters the national home for whatever reason. They don't need to explain any more than you as an individual need to explain why you don't want a person coming in your home. Yeah, You have yeah. the right to decide who enters and who, who enters your domicile. And if someone comes in forcibly, then they're breaking and entering. They could be, that's a crime. Now the national home for any sovereign nation, any sane sovereign nation, functions in that same way. The nation decides in its based on its own self-interest 
who enters the national home. Now, the United States is very compassionate when it comes to situations of political asylum, even though that's obviously been abused. You know, the first World Trade Center bomber was a political asylee, as were the people who bombed the Boston Marathon. So, you know, you have to be careful even with that. But the fact is that our government operating in the interests of the American people, elected by the American people, they set the policy and decide who enters the national home and for what reason and if it is in America's interest. There's no right anywhere in international law or custom for a person to go from nation A to nation B. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome here if you're going to contribute. Right. And and as you say, you don't have to explain to any other country why you make decisions. You don't have to explain why you don't invite your next door neighbor to your house or the person down the road. It's your choice, your criterion, your decision. It's a completely private matter. Well, the only people who should have any say on who is admitted or not admitted to the United States are the American citizens. And if you're not a citizen, you have absolutely no right to have any say whatsoever. And if you come here illegally, you're you're breaking and entering and you should be punished and sent back. And if you uh, come here legally through an immigration process, you should be be swearing an oath to be loyal to the Constitution. And if you are found to be in breach of that oath at at a later date, your citizenship citizenship should be revoked and you should be deported to the country of your origin. It's really simple. It's very humanitarian. And it is the only thing we can do to, to save the union, basically. It protects the rights and the privileges and the sovereignties of all American citizens. And that's what any sane nation that has a right to call itself a nation does. In the, in the world, I would defy anyone to show me a nation that doesn't do it. Anyway, Trevor, uh, we're reaching toward the end of the program, so I'd like you to let my viewers and listeners know where they can get information about you, where they can read your articles and your books, etc. Look, just go to my daily blog, Enemies, uh, no, no, my daily blog, TrevorLoudon.com. Very good. Loudon spelled L-O-U-D-O-N. You can get my movie. I've got a movie out there, a 90-minute documentary called The Enemies Within which explains the number, which shows the number of congressmen and senators who are basically working for the other side who couldn't pass a security background check. Just go to enemieswithinmovie.com, enemieswithinmovie.com. Or you can get my books on Amazon, um, Barack Obama and the Enemies Within, or the Enemies Within, Communists, Socialists and Progressives in the U.S. Congress. Very good. I'll put a link to it on the YouTube show. And um, I admire your research. I admire your courage. I'd like to have you back as the uh, midterm approaches so we can continue the dialogue and just continue to do what we can to actually save this country. Anyway, Trevor, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Glad to be on. Thank you for the opportunity. All right.